Welcome to Envision, the podcast to travel to new terrain into the world of possibilities, where conversations with visionaries, their experience and their imagination take place. We explore ideas and desires to widen individual vision and expand the collective together. Let's imagine a new world and speak it aloud, letting that vision become our inspiration to create it. If you're here, you believe in the power of transformation. I am Aurora Morfin, and I am so grateful that you're here. I am here today in a vision with Rebecca Koritz. Let me introduce you. She is a Swedish pioneer in self-directed education who's hacking the conventional school system and sowing seeds of freedom. She is a change catalyst with a unique track and over 20 years of experience in alternative education, respectful upbringing, compassionate communication, and peaceful parenting. Welcome, Rebecca. How are you? Hello. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm very excited to be here with you today, Aurora. Thank you. Well, let's go ahead and let's dive in. Uh, I would like to understand from your perspective, I mean, you're Swedish, I understand you grew up there and you were in a very different spectrum of education systems. And of course, every part in the world has different ways of educating kids, of bringing them on. So how was your worldview from your child's perspective? Yeah, I think, you know, when I grew up, when I was little, I took it for granted to be respected as a human being. Like my voice counted and what I felt like doing also counted. I had the right to make decisions. I was listened to and I was heard. To me, that was a given. I, I thought that was the way the world looked, right? I had a lot of freedom, a lot of physical freedom also to roam around in the, in the woods where I grew up without having someone constantly hovering over me. So I was a kid that grew up with a lot of freedom. And I think that people in my generation in Sweden at least can relate to this. But I do understand that others in my generation, I'm born in the 70s, are having the same kind of memories, you know, like a very free childhood. My parents decided to put me in a Montessori kindergarten and later in a Montessori elementary school. Because in Sweden, there, there was no... There was no difference in the sense of like, oh, you have to pay extra for this. Everything was covered by the taxes that ordinary people pay. And um, we had the right to choose. Mm. I, had, I had a very different schooling in comparison to other kids because it was still not common. Most children definitely were going to the traditional system. But even so, in Sweden in those days, it was relaxed. There wasn't really a lot of homework. There was no... like. It, there was no hard pressure. Like the system that we have today in Sweden has changed radically. But when I grew up, it wasn't like school was dominating my life. I, I went to school and I had a good time. And when I got back home, I would roam in the woods, you know, <laughs> climb trees and rocks and steal apples and plums from the neighbor. <laughs> wow. You know? Yeah, things like that. That sounds amazing. And the relationship with your parents, how was at home with all this freedom? Because I mean, it sounds that like your parents were radical in that sense, or I don't know if that was radical back then. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that they were radical. Um, I mean, I think that my mom was very conscious when it came to like how she wanted 
me and my sister to grow up. So she didn't want to rush us in the mornings. She really wanted, like when, when finally we started the kindergarten, it was halftime and we started around noon. So we always had those really slow and calm mornings. I think it was just like, my mom was a freelancing copywriter. So she was really able to work from home, producing an income, but at the same time being close. But she wasn't, she wasn't that kind of controlling person. Like we made a mess all the time. I remember she was so permissive. We could jump around in the beds. We were allowed to create little houses, you know, underneath the, the dinner table we made a mess all the time, but she never said, you can't do that. <laughs> she was, mm -hmm. she was really like, she understood that we needed to play. So it was, it was a very open and free environment. And I don't consider it like, I don't think that other kids in Sweden had a more strict upbringing. I think rather when I, when I became a teenager, then they were more worried that that stuff would maybe go wrong. And I know that they were definitely, um, they were expressing that worry in the way of like, we want you to be home at 10 latest. And if I weren't at, weren't at home at 10, they would call up my friend's parents and see if I were there. And then they were kind of, they would express a bit of shock. Like they didn't know where their daughter were. Like, how is that possible? So I, I don't, I don't think that my parents were like negligent in that sense. I think that they were really like, they, they just wanted to know that, that I was doing well and that I was fine. What do you think makes them, make them change from that perspective of allowing you to be totally free? And then once you went into the world, to put it that way, you know, like out of the house Yeah. or why make them change? Yeah, I think probably most likely just fear and maybe prejudice. Uh, towards what they have perceived in teenagers or maybe remembering their own childhood having to rebel a lot like I was a very calm and kind of serious kid in the sense that I didn't mess around I didn't drink alcohol because I found it ridiculous I was like why would why would people drink something that they don't even like just to get drunk I was a bit like old in that sense like I I never I never got it I never got that rebelliousness uh, against against like um I don't know, like, I don't know what it is they rebel. Yeah, probably rules, you know, like rules and regulations because I had so much freedom. I didn't, I didn't need to, uh, but I think that, yeah, my parents, they felt fear and they were, I mean, well, I was their firstborn. And so like, oh, what's going to happen during the teens? And uh, I think a distrust in others that they said, they were like, we trust you, but we don't trust uh, others. And in a way, like looking at it as an adult, now I, I I think that actually that's not that's not quite correct. Like I I don't think that they trusted me to cope with external situations that might arise. Yes, I hear you, and I hear yeah. As you said, you didn't have the need to rebel. I can tell from my own experience, for example, that I I was born in a very restrictive environment, and out of my mother was like absolutely authoritative. It was really hard and I wanted to rebel all the time, but it was because I didn't have that freedom. So I, I wanted to push towards that and find it my own way. It was always a fight and it was really painful. And what do you think, how your worldview has changed so far since then? And what were the changes that lead to those changes? Yeah, I think that I always kept this perspective of the child like I remember when I was around 15, I, I decided that I would 
always remember what it was like to be a child because I could see how people would treat us as kids. Like they would, they, they would treat us in a different way that, than they would treat other adults. Like they made a difference between, between kids and adults. But I was like, we're, we're just persons, we're people, all of us. And so I really wanted to remember that. And I think that perspective I have kept with me all my, all my life, that we're just human beings. Some of us are smaller and some are, of us are older. And, but it's still, it's like I can so clearly remember feelings I had when I was a child. And I think that when I look at adults, many times I have the sensation that they forgot what it's like to be a child. Somewhere I read, I think it was in Alfie Cohn's book, Unconditional Parenting. He wrote about psychologue, psychiatrists, a woman uh, who said that mainly childhood for many has been so painful that they have forgotten. They have just like, they've pushed it back. They have forgotten what it was like because it was too painful. Then they keep repeating the same thing. They're, They're acting can I say like assholes? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> They're acting like assholes. They're behaving really, really awfully to other humans just because they're young. Mm. And I, I, you know, it's like, have you forgotten every time? I'm like, don't you see what you're doing? Don't you realize what you're doing? You're breaking humans. You're breaking tiny humans, young people, because, because you, don't, you don't see, you clearly don't see what you're doing that I've kept with me. And now being an adult, I just, to me, it's become like my life work is to work towards peaceful parenting, to work, to work towards children's freedom, their rights, you know, their, their right to choose freely, their right to decide for themselves what suits them best. That has been become my, my life work. I mean, it's, there have been so many, so many opportunities to collide with the adult world, right? I mean, like when I had to let go of Montessori and start normal, normal secondary school, uh, junior high. And I was like, oh my God, what is wrong with the system? Like how, what happened? Why, why does it have to be so boring and so tedious to learn when it can be so fun? Like that was, that was my like pedagogical realization which led me to where I'm at today. Just today I had, poof, I received some comments that teachers have, have made to kids that have a really hard time in school. And when I see those comments, the lack of empathy and the lack of compassion are so big. And I'm thinking, what is it that is hurting so much in these adults that they think that it's going to hurt less by hurting others and especially then young people who are already exposed because they don't have the right to voice their voice and they don't have the right to vote. Yeah. Yes, I hear you. There's so many good nuggets in what you just said because, well, first I got like chill bomb when, when you said like, I made the decision to stay childlike. Yeah. And that for me, it's huge because yeah, there's a spark and there's a curiosity in child that we get too serious when we become adults and forget about playing. And I would like to see from your perspective and from what you have learned and your education and all that you have seen, like what is the idea? Because as you said, so many don't even have the clear 
perspective of what a child like would be because they haven't experienced. Yeah. So it's hard to talk about or teach or become someone if you didn't have that experience. Yeah. What is a child ideal environment? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know even how to frame it, but yeah, I think I understand what you mean. I mean, children are people too. <laughs> and I think all people uh, need to be heard, need to be seen, need to be understood, need to be supported, need to be respected. They need to have autonomy and independence. And I think that we also need to explore. We need to explore life in all its expressions. And that exploration is what makes us get to know ourselves, what we like, what we're good at, what we're not that good at, but that we might still like. We're so bad at it that we don't want to have anything to do with it. <laughs> I think the exploration leads to an immense learning, and that is learning that never ends. So for me, really, there shouldn't be that division between children and adults, because I think that we all need the same. It's just that we're so used to trying to accommodate to a society that has been very rigid, where the focus is on production and result, you know, result-oriented, uh, instead of growing, growing as human beings and trying to figure out what the maximum expression of the grandest vision I can hold of myself could be. Yes, and I feel like For many years or even centuries, we have been focusing on mentally developed, you know, and pushing even younger ages to do more mental work. Yeah. And what we have really forgotten about, it's developing other bodies of our being, like the emotional one that we have just pushed it down in order to not feel it because sometimes it's hard to feel. Yeah. So... What are the beliefs? Because I can't see that clearly, you know, you have like these nuggets like in your life that you have been very clear that, oh, this is what I believe. Oh, this is how I feel. Do you think you got that from the society that you grew in or, or it's something that you had or where do you think that comes from? Oh God, that's such a good question. I think that, it, that it's like different things probably. I mean, I think that there is definitely a component like a seed in myself, like maybe part of my configuration as, as, as me, uh, that I have that. Uh, but then also I'm thinking that, of course, like I, I grew up in a very child-friendly society. And I mean, I had this amazing freedom as a kid and I had the amazing experience also to, to see the difference between a system where I was trusted and where I could develop very freely and a system which was based upon control and like imposition. This is where I think like I had that configuration because obviously not everyone that goes through that experience will end up doing what I do. I think that I came with this um, curiosity towards what happens to the human being and, and like What happens when someone is imposing a point of view? What happens when uh, you don't, you're not allowed to choose? What happens when you are being not listened to as a kid? Like we respond differently. But to me, it was like, no, I could feel my self-worth and my value as a human being. I couldn't separate that from like, from the others. Like I thought, you know, we're all human beings. It doesn't matter what age. And actually, like how disappointed I got when I could see adults behaving 
in a really like childlike way. I hate saying that because I think that like as if children didn't know how to act. And of course, I mean, they're in development, right? They're physically, emotionally, neurologically developing psychologically all the time. But then seeing adults behave like as if they hadn't grown, um, that really disappointed me. And it still disappoints me to this day. Now I have more compassion and I have more understanding why they become like that. But still, I'm like, come on, guys, you know, when you're a grown up, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. It's like, and now I feel like I have found a few areas or different approaches that are starting to explore like human design and make us aware of who we are. And I think those are tools that we really need in order to respect that individuality and at the same time to understand that we are all the same somehow yeah. and under the same place. And also... I would like to understand from that growing up and that getting all this perspective and coming to the point that you're now, who were your role models or, or who was someone that guided you? Or, I mean, I, it not necessarily means to be a person, you know, but yeah. what was something that guided you? Oh my God. I think, I think principles and values, you know, the value of freedom, um, that we should all have the same rights and we should all have the same voice. Like those kind of very, I don't know if I should say that they're democratic values because <clears throat> maybe it sounds very political and that's not my intention, but like respect, respect for all living beings, like this, um, the principles that are life sustaining and life enhancing because I felt that very strongly when I was a kid too, like the trees, shit, you know, they can't run. If someone wants to cut them down, they are being cut down. They can't run. But I felt it so strongly and I still do. I, I like the pain I feel when I see a tree that has been cut down is, is immense. And um, yeah, just the respect for all living beings, you know, we're, it's the same, you know, here in Mexico, there's so many street dogs and uh, I look at them and I'm like, oh, you know, there, there wouldn't be so many if we as humans weren't so irresponsible with, with like not taking care of our own animals, the ones that we have. So I have a lot of animals. I have six cats and two dogs, but they're all <laughs> sterilized, you know, like I, so many of them I have, I have found and, and taken in because, because they need a home. And uh, it's like, I have to be responsible as, as a human being and, and not have more of them reproduce because they will only repeat the same cycle. And that is a cycle of misery. And I don't think that we're here to, to sustain that. I hear you. And that brings a lot of emotion to me because I felt that I, when I was growing up, I had all these emotions and feelings, but either express them or really do something. And that made me feel so frustrated and powerless in many ways because no one opposite to you, you know, like no one heard my voice. And actually it was just like, 
you are too sensitive, you are too much, you know, it was like labeling and trying to push all these and it was really hard. So you hitting two points that is just like, values are not democratic, really, because not everybody has them since they were born. So it's hard to live them and embody them if you have never even had a hint of what does that mean? Yeah. How, how did you cope with that pain? Or when, you know, like when you were growing, uh, I hear you now you're more compassionate because you have grown, you're wiser, you have yeah. been exposed to more experiences and you get to a point that you understand. But in the mean, when you were growing up, how did you cope with that pain? Probably just projecting, thinking that everyone else was an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like, I think that's, that's what you do. You don't see it in yourself and you see it in the others. And uh, of course, you know, we all carry these things. We do. And I am not a saint. I have also done, you know, stupid things or very uncompassionate things. Not a lot, but enough. (laughs) Enough for me thinking that I have probably, I'm probably responsible for having sent several people in therapy, Mm. you know, just like we all are. Yeah. Because we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Like the way for me to cope was, was pushing that away and being, you know, judgmentally saying jerks, idiots, assholes. And that's exactly where I am with my teenage son right now. Cause he's like, but mom, how is it possible that people are such idiots? And I'm like, well, you know, if you haven't grown up, blah, 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 but rather have had these kind of circumstances, this can happen. (laughs) Just try to make him aware of stuff that I didn't understand, you know, as a kid. Because to me, the logic thing would be if you were exposed to crap when you were a kid, then you would want to do the opposite as an adult. And no. That's not what happens. Most adults repeat the same cycle uh, because they don't know better. And I, 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 I'm still like, so weird to me. Why don't they remember? You know, why don't they remember how it was? And why don't they choose another kind of behavior? But, you know, they don't. And I don't want to judge them for it because I know that change is hard. Uh, it's super difficult to break loose from patterns and create new ones. And I'm thinking instead of judging them, I want to be a better example. I want to do things differently. It doesn't mean that I'm perfect. I'm also just a human being and I mess up just like everyone else. But I really try to look at my mistakes and take responsibility for them and change whatever I can change. And sometimes that means saying I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah. Feeling the feelings and facing them. Yeah facing them and really accepting what is going on. I guess there is so much judgment and it's something that now under the conditions of the world, I mean, we're going through the pandemic, all that's going on in the world has made me, I I thought I was aware and now just these events have made me go way deeper into the conditioning that we have and how hard is to see it if you are not aware or if you are not willing to change. Yeah. The fear of being wrong is something that I guess many of us have gone through and it's prevailing and not allowing many people to open up to alternatives or, or different worldviews or different even possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. It's 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 hard. I think that you know change always comes from a crisis, and it can be an inner crisis or it can be a societal crisis, which is exactly what we're going through right now. And it is painful. It's super painful. And I think it's a little bit the same thing, you know, like when the caterpillar transforms into a butterfly, that's not a pretty process because the cells are starting to change. And in the beginning, the other cells attack, you know, they attack the transforming cells. But then after a while, it is, there's so many, they overtake the entire organism and they just change it. And I don't think that that is painless or pain-free, you know, and, and I'm thinking about the, the, then the butterfly trying to squeeze out of that little cocoon. Who said that that wasn't painful? We don't know. We have no idea because we're not the butterfly, right? Yeah. But I'm even thinking like a bud that is opening up to become a flower. Do we know that it, it, is, it isn't painful when the flower pushes through? We have no, new, we have no, we have no form of, uh, of measuring that. But I'm just thinking those are changes. Those are transformations. And I think that they hurt. Yes. Yeah. I guess uh, just listening to your both examples, like more, I wonder if more than painful for a flower or the caterpillar, it's just they accept that there is a process. And I guess that for us humans, we are so, how would I say, self-conscious of the others that are performing in certain ways to be accepted and to belong to certain groups. Yeah. That we don't allow that process, regardless of how it looks, we don't allow that, we don't have the space for those processes to happen. No. No, because I, th I think we have, we have grown up in, in a society that believes that everything can be controlled. Yes. And that is an illusion. And I think that we're, I mean, I've known this for a long time, that control is not real. But it isn't until now, during these times, that I actually really can, huh, yeah, no, it's impossible to control anything. I'm not in charge here. And I have only two choices. It is go with the flow or try to resist it. But the more I resist, the more the pain will persist, I'm sure. So it's just like, okay, now it's changing. Okay, I can't plan. <laughs> There's no way I can plan. And it's okay. It helps me living more in the moment. And it helps me becoming more compassionate because I see that we're all going through the same thing. The only time there is, is now. There is no past, there is no future, it's only now. And, and this thing is just keeping us like here and now. And that other thing that, you know, we're all one. We're all going through the same thing. It doesn't matter if you've got money, if you don't got money, if, you, like, if you're black, if you're white, if you live in Mexico, the States or the Philippines, we're all going through the same thing. And, and I, have, I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to, this is the theme. This is what we're all talking about. Mm, yes. And that actually makes me so hopeful because I think never, never before it was an event that put us all into the same circumstances. And that for me is just a huge opportunity. Yeah. And I'm really hoping that everybody 
gets that shift and leans and decides to leap into process yeah whatever is going on for them and regarding that i would like to ask you like because i can see you know you are a wise woman you are really i love when you laugh a lot because you <laughs> you have like a light way of being your presence transmit already and i'm a big believer that we communicate in way many ways beyond just words yeah you know and I can tell that you are a person that believe in what you're doing, believe in yourself. How that process has been for you? Is it, was it always a conscious process that you always had this belief in yourself or is it something that you have acquired somehow? Mm, I, think, I think there are two different concepts here. One is self-esteem and the other one is self-confidence. And I think that self-esteem is something that you get from growing up. Uh, you get it when your parents trust you and when they listen to you and when they're interested in who you are. Uh, when they're interested in your person, they want to know how you think, how you feel. When that happens, uh, you develop self-esteem. And I think that I have very strong self-esteem. And I think that I've always had that. And it has helped me develop quite a strong psyche. So even though shit hits the fan and it does in my life too and when i'm exposed to really really hard things like it doesn't it doesn't affect my self-esteem that much and i have this huge capacity of pushing through even when it's really painful and i'm the only one thinking like i am and i'm having like a big bunch of people saying the opposite self-confidence is different that i think i have developed little by little like the, the self-confidence in the fact that I do know a lot of stuff, that I have all these experiences and that, mm, yeah, I think that my voice counts now. I think that I'm, I, I have a good voice and that voice should be heard, not because of me and the focus on me, but because of what that voice is saying. And it's really equal rights for, for all human beings. You know, uh, I could, I could talk about culture or, or like, racism or gender or different kinds of sexualities but my focus is really between kids and, and adults i think kids should have the same rights i think that is self-confidence that has come with with time and it has come through going going through not always so pleasant experiences but but really you know being crushed a couple of times and rising from the ashes and just like up and dust dust myself off like and 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 spread the wings and fly again mm. yeah thank you thank you for that distinction because i think it's key and i guess so many of us sometimes develop self-confidence in order to protect ourselves yes that happened to me it was my case like the people outside will say like oh my goodness you are doing all this and you're moving to another country and you live there and yeah i had such a great self-confidence but it was you know it was sort of a mask to protect myself yeah but my self-esteem it's something that I have been gently and compassionately working in the last few years to really heal because it was so wounded yeah that didn't believe that it was you know worth to be in the world or even speak out loud whatever I thought yeah so yeah thank you for that distinction it's important yeah, I think so. 
Yes. Uh, I would like to, to dig a little bit on what are the beliefs that have helped you create the world that you live in now? <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, you know, children are people too. That is, that is like a core, core belief of mine. I honestly, truly believe that we are all born free, but circumstances may not favorize that. But I do think that all humans, actually all living beings should be born free. We are born free. We should have that as a birthright and respect for all living, you know. And I think also this compassion that has helped me so much. And it's really the other side of the coin of that judgmental personality that I have too. I think we all judge a lot. It feels like as if it was so pronounced in me, that judgmental side, that also the other side of the coin, the compassion has become very big. And I have this huge belief in, um, in compassion as, uh, as something that, that should guide us, you know, compassion and um, forgiveness, like to be able to forgive myself, first of all, and then be able to forgive others, because they don't know what they're doing. Just like sometimes I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, trying to see that we're all the same, you know, we're, we're just little drops, you know, in the big ocean. Mm -hmm. And my drop isn't more important than your drop. We're just we're just the same and I'm not more important just because I'm older than a child, you know, we're just dropped. And I think that putting that into perspective, that has really, really, really helped me. And then, you know, having a lot of humbling experiences where it's like, okay, you know, I'm only one voice and it's not more important than others. Uh, but if it can help others, then it's important for them. And that is, that is fabulous. I'm, I'm, as a person, I'm not more important. Mm. Thank you for those beliefs. They are huge. I got very emotional, so I lost track of my thoughts. Good. <laughs> Stay there. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's just because all that you said really resonated. And yes, yeah. I, I hope we can see the, the day that that happens. Yeah, me too. I mean, it begins with us, right? It begins Absolutely. It begins on the inside. And uh, I think that especially during these times, people have been and are still so unsettled and they're afraid. They can't plan. They realize they have no control. And in those moments, they tend to be more aggressive maybe than at other times. And my biggest work, I think, these past months has been just trying to stay in that knowledge that we're all doing our best and it is not personal. And um, forgive, 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 forgive. And when I do that, this shift on the inside, this is where I can actually see the shift on the outside too. Yes, totally. Yeah, I, I'm a big believer that there's two worldviews. Either you are in love or you are in fear. Absolutely. It's a very clear way to see where you're acting from. Yeah, absolutely. That, it's so interesting that you say that. I had that insight very clearly. It must have been in 2002. And I understood. I understood suddenly that I had lived my entire life choosing from fear. Mm. Like all my, my choices had been small instead of big because I was fearing the consequences. I was fearing 
not being good enough or capable enough or not trusting myself. And little by little, I started making that shift. And it took me a year. But that shift made it possible for me to say, I'm going to move to Mexico. I had never been there. I didn't know anyone here. But I was just like, I'm going to move to Mexico. Because that's, that's what I hear. I hear that in me. And it was, it was a choice made out of love. And not always. Sometimes I've lost track too. Uh, I've lost that inner compass. But it is really that compass that has guided me. Am I choosing from love or am I choosing from fear? And if I'm choosing from fear, I shift. And I'm like, okay, so what would love do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's how I move on. Sometimes love tells me to leave a toxic situation. Sometimes maybe from the outside, it looks like as if I'm doing something bad. But really, it is clear for me. Sometimes decisions that for others might look like a good decision is a crappy decision because I was not in love. Like I was not acting from love. And only I can know. Yes, I hear you. And also, I think it's important to understand that it is a practice. It's not something that, because I guess as a society today, we are so looking for a quick fix, you know, a recipe. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Like they, they give me the 10 points, give me like the five steps to do this. And yeah, it's not like that. Because yeah, situations, like experiences, moments, every moment presents you different challenges and you have to choose every single time where are you fear or love yeah and it becomes a practice and it's just i feel like it's like muscles you know the more you practice the easier it comes but it has to be an active practice yeah definitely because it's hard i think you know i always think that the fear is is in the mind and the the love is obviously in the heart and that that voice of the heart is like it's just whispering It's just, it's just the heartbeat, you know, it's, it's so subtle while the mind goes like, are you fucking nuts? Are you out of your mind? You can't do that. And what are others going to think of you? What are others going to say? And it's screaming so loud that we lose the capacity to listen to this inner voice, which is just sometimes a smile, not more, you know? And, uh, and I think that people get really confused with, with those like, but how can I know? Oh, what, you know, <sighs> listen within, does it make you smile? Even though you're, you're afraid, does it make you smile? And yeah, that is actually my biggest compass. I think it's, um, I'm glad you brought it up. Mm, thank you for that. Yes. Yeah, it is mine too. And now in the latest years have been clearer every time. Yeah. Because even at the beginning, for me, I doubted it. It was just like, yes, but, yes, but. And it was just, again, an active practice of trusting it, trusting it. Yeah. It has come to a good fruit. So now I'm just like, yeah, it works. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely agree. From your change catalyst perspective, how would education or learning would look like if you would have a magic wand to change the world as you Oh, yeah, God, I wish I had that magic wand because it's so needed. <laughs> I hear you. I think, I, think, I think, again, actually, it was really good that we were talking about love and fear just now because to me, what is going on right now is that we're having a school system in the entire world that is based upon control. And control is just an expression of fear. 
we're afraid of our kids not being capable enough to survive in this ever-changing world. So we're trying to control it. It is leading to a lot of adults, the ones who are designing the curriculums, so the ones who are making the laws. Uh, they are creating a school system, and they have created the school system that is um, that is insufficient because it just can't keep up with development, and also because it hasn't changed a lot. I mean, we've had a school system now for more or less, yeah, roughly 200 years, and everything is changing in society except for this, uh, which I think is interesting. But to me, then, what needs to happen is that we go from that fear-based controlling system where we think, I mean, people don't even question this. We just think that, of course, kids will learn what they need in schools, but they keep on teaching kids the same things that they've been teaching them for 200 years, basically. A little bit more, maybe chemistry, a little bit more, you know, but it's the same. And I find it like a huge arrogance towards our kids to actually think that they will need this in the future, that we're not questioning that. So we need to move to another paradigm that is based upon trust. Uh, and trust is always anchored in love. So it's like control versus trust or fear versus love. That is the big shift that needs to happen. We need to start trusting on the inner configuration that our kids are being born with, that inner compass, that life principle, that life-sustaining principle that they all come with they know what they need. They know how to grow. Uh, we don't need to control that. We need to give them all the opportunities for exploration and self-discovery that we can. That, that's, that's what they need. And so that means that we have to stop controlling the content. We have to stop controlling when, where, how, what kids are supposed to learn. We need to set them free. We need to let them be able to direct their own education. I know that for people who have never heard this, it's like, what? Is she crazy? Then I just want to remind people, because if you haven't listened to me before, they might not know this. I am a trained teacher. I am a pedagogue and a trained teacher. And uh, <laughs> this is my life's work. This is my mission. It is actually able to do this shift. It requires a paradigm shift, but it doesn't require any fancy solutions. It's not like it all has to be high tech and iPads for all the kids and blah, blah, blah. It can actually be so much simpler and going back to more basic things like connecting with each other, creating the relationship, focusing more on the relationship, focusing more on creating an amazing context within which kids can learn and grow and develop into healthy human beings. You know, if, if you listen to this and you are an adult who takes things personally, who tends to get really angry and say hurtful things, then just that is something that I would like to get rid of. Because it is like that because we didn't learn how to behave to each other. We didn't learn how to treat each other with respect. And so if you as an adult, you're doing that, 
that is what I would like to avoid. <laughs> I would like to really be able for us to give something very different to our children. And it's not about knowledge because knowledge you can get at any time whenever you want to. I mean, here I sit the other night listening to my son talking about subatomic particles. And I'm just like, what? My son is 14 and a half. He hasn't uh, gone to school for four and a half years. Uh, no one is forcing him to learn anything, but he is just a learning machine. That's what he does. And he is most linguistically interested. But subatomic particles, I was like, that he even knows that word and has a notion of what it is. I'm like, you don't need to, you don't need to, you know, pour this over them. They, they, they suck it up, whatever they, they need. They just like, you know, like sponges. And I think that the biggest problem in the world today is that most humans are so wounded and they have so little competence when it comes to treat themselves in a compassionate way and also treat others in a compassionate way. But I think that if we don't change that, if we don't change the setting for kids, which means working our butts off as grown-ups on improving our communication skills, on improving how we treat other human beings, it's only in those circumstances that our children, the future generations, can actually become whole human beings that won't hurt others. And for me, we're talking about peace. We're talking about world peace. We're talking about another kind of world that is, that is based upon principles that are life-sustaining and life-enhancing and respect and love and compassion, forgiveness. Those are core values. And that is never something that the school system can, the way it's designed today, it can never, ever give that to a child. Mm, yes. Let's make that world happen. Yeah. And tell me something, because I guess it's the fear of many people is like, yeah, but how would they learn? I mean, because for me, from my perspective, it's like having internet now, you have access to pretty much everything. Yeah, everything. So what is needed from a mental learning perspective? What is needed for them to have in the environment? Yeah, what is needed is a lot of free play. Because in free play, kids develop social skills they learn how to negotiate they learn how to deal with emotions uh, they learn how to overcome fears for instance they learn how to become resilient they also learn about language they learn about science they learn about all the things that they need in order to like for instance with imagination how to project an imaginary world with other rules that are so different other laws that are so different and being consequent and be like no actually you can't walk there because because there's water there we have already decided this so no one can walk there like they have this amazing um capacity of projecting these fictional laws that they invent which prepares them for future life too to be able to look at hmm what if this and that and how to prepare for it Uh, so I would say a lot of free play and a lot of freedom to explore stuff that they're interested in. So there has to be like a lot of freedom in general and access to loving and caring and knowledgeable adults, but also access to 
kids of all ages like you know this division of everyone that is 10 is in this group because you're 10 so you're supposed to have affinity or be de developmentally in the same at the same level which is so not true the right to be heard and listened to the right to actually practice democracy and just this reflecting like this is how i feel how do you feel uh, so I think that there are like some of the core ingredients that kids need in order to develop in such a way that learning becomes completely natural to them because it is, it is already when they're born. I mean, all of us that have had a baby have seen how their curiosity and how they're like, that is what drives them. Uh, their curiosity to explore this, um, uh, what is it called? Like the need to move makes them crawl the need to move faster makes them walk and then they run and then suddenly they climb and they jump and they 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 learn all this in with such joy even though it's super hard for them and they learn several languages you know like one or two or three like it doesn't matter they do it because they love it and uh, i feel that i see that the school system crushes that it stops that lifelong learning that is motivated in an in an inner way your intrinsic motivation it is crushed when you come to school so the point is for me to let kids continue develop in this free way because then they will never lose the joy of learning and so to me that's super important yes i hear you you have created several initiatives in mexico and now actually you have one that is called explora mm -hmm. Would you say that Explora is the way that you would create these spaces for kids or how, in a more tangible, practical terms, how would it look like? Would it be a space where kids are going every day? Like, from your perspective, how would that look like? Yeah, actually, that's a great question, Aurora, because I have been constantly challenging my, my view of what it could look like. I've been a little bit frustrated these last years because Explora hasn't been exactly what I wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. um, but also like being the only one who's carrying the vision um, hasn't helped. Sometimes you're in need of a team and right now we are in a huge transition. And so really taking, taking the opportunity of this amazing standby that the coronavirus is giving us to redesign everything. And so actually i would say like what i've done previously isn't reflecting what i think it, it it could be but rather what i've been thinking about lately is that even alternative schools even agile learning centers are um are still carrying some some things that that are coming from the system and so like for me yeah when i was a teenager i was like no no to homework, no to exams, no to um, grading. I was just like, this is wrong. And then I've gone from there to saying actually no to the division of subjects because the world isn't divided in that way. And then to be like, no to teachers actually. Like, I mean, you, you can look for a teacher if you want one, but kids are so capable of directing their own learning um, that we don't really need them to be taught. They can learn anyway. And now lately what I've been thinking is like, hmm, this rush that 
people have experienced. You wake up in the morning early, you have to prepare breakfast because you're going to work and your kid is going to school. I don't like that. I really don't like that. I mean, since the moment my son and I started unschooling, we let go of that stress in our lives. And I still carried it when I was very active working in the kindergarten that I had. It was like getting up super early just to be there at eight. I, I never liked it. And I don't like for kids to have to wake up and rush. I don't like for adults to have to wake up and rush. I'm an early riser, but I don't want to rush my mornings. I'm challenging the whole schedule thing of early. I, I, I would like to promote slow living. And if we then go back to the idea that is now taking place in, um, in my ALC, it is turning into a community learning center where it is more based on memberships for kids, families, individuals, and where all ages can actually learn. So yeah, there will be hours where there is drop-off for kids but not more than four hours a day because we don't need more only in a society where you need to stash your kids away. You need to store them in some place so that you can have time and do your stuff. Only then it is necessary, but I, I don't want that. I don't want it personally. And I would like this to be an option for families that want a slow living and not start at eight or nine. We're talking about 10, maybe 11 run for four hours, but not five days a week. Why would we do five days a week when it's so great to be able to hang out uh, in a family and then having space for the community to, to use the space for yoga or meditation or bring in groups and have a lot of cool activities also for the parents, like game, game groups, play groups, um, discussion groups, social ju justice clubs, you know, like cooking club or taking care of yourself club. Like there's so much to offer and learning doesn't happen only for children. It is for us too. And so this is something like probably the biggest paradigm shift that I have been going through mentally this last year. Like why separate learning as something that should happen only for children? Why can't it continue happening for us when we know that it does? So I think that um, like focusing a lot more on the community as a whole, excursions with the families, like opportunities of just hanging out together, sharing what we know, requesting support from someone that knows more than I do in an area that I want to grow in, I think uh, that's the, the direction I want to go, definitely. And uh, I think also that it might be a direction that more and more and more would like to go, you know, where maybe we could co-working spaces. Basically, getting rid of this strict line between this is where the kids are and this is where the adults are and this is what the kids do. They learn and we work. And, and I just... It feels so old-fashioned and so artificial. So I'm super excited. I'm super excited because, yeah, this is happening, you know. It's happening, and I think it's going to be absolutely amazing. And I know that there's so many other projects that are in the same process of, like, questioning 
more structures. Like, why do we do this? Oh, five days a week because those are the days adults work. Or like I had parents say to me a couple of years ago when I was playing with the idea of only doing it in the afternoons, they were like, but that isn't possible because I work in the morning. And I'm like, okay, well, stop doing that. You can work at other times. You don't, you, why do we have to work in the morning, you know? <laughs> no, I just, I'm just really interested in tearing down unnecessary structures that are not life-sustaining that are not promoting growth like these are just hindrances and blocks and yes i realize that at this time it might be very 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 early for most families to say oh i want this but okay that's that's their thing then i don't want to design or redesign a project based upon what others might need but rather on the convictions that in this visionary design team that we have and that we think is what is supposed to happen because it's not only for kids it's really for the families too thank you for sharing that vision i was just like putting it like boom 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 in my mind and yeah it totally makes sense it yeah. totally makes sense because we have been living compartmentalized yeah yeah that sounds amazing i love it i love it yeah thank you me too i'm so i'm i'm really so excited i have a hard time not thinking constantly about this the huge challenge people would say or would argue is the economics it's something that we also have to figure yeah you know making that living because that's the argument of many yeah and i think that there's something really wrong in our society because we are being so much more effective now because so many things are happening automatic that we're actually producing more we're doing more and even though we have all these automatic things happening, like just looking for information. You go online. It is so easy and smooth. We've got computers that, it, that are doing like the work of, for instance, accountants, like in a second, they don't have to sit there with their, with their books and, and write by hand any longer. I'm just like, why are we constantly wanting to keep up and do more and more and more instead of being like, hey, Actually, maybe now it's time to start doing less yes. and going slower because it is not life-sustaining. People get burnt out. People get sick. People get heart attacks because of stress. And so I think that this shift should really also think about this. You know, yes, we need to sustain ourselves. Yes, we need to have an income but does that really mean that we have to work five days a week uh, eight hours per day or can we please create and co-create a society where less is more yes yes for me the way i see it is like everything it's out there and the solution and the resources it's just a matter of how we're distributing and where are we putting them in place and as you said it's like how to make it more organic because clearly we are not observing nature and how it just you know it has phases it has cycles it has so many things and we we got to a point that technology it's also so good we have been smart in that way so it's how to integrate it with our organic living yeah. make the technology help us absolutely absolutely i mean this is what it is and i'm I just think, you know, it's 
what I hear from people is like, yes, but, yes, but. And I'm like, that's not helpful. <laughs> I know we have all doubts and I know we have all fears, but what if? Exactly, yes. And then how? How could we then do it? Like, how could we make this happen? There is such a different of energy around yes, but, or what if? Yeah, let's what if a little bit more. Agree. And for me, it's also solutions are very simple. We humans make it everything complicated. Oh God, yes. Yeah, and what if it were easy? Exactly. What would it look like? And I think, but I think again, it's like um, we've been cut off our own creativity. And we've been cut off from envisioning something different. We are so caught up in this is the way it's always been instead of what if we do it differently? I remember also reading a book many, many years ago, and it said, if it's not there, put it there. And that I have carried with me for almost 20 years now. If it's not there, put it there. And that is also what has led me to create a lot of these things. Or like right now, creating a lot of information about self-directed education and peaceful parenting in Spanish, a little bit, tiny bit in English and Swedish, simply because it's not there. So someone needs to do the job and I can do it. So I'll do it. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> well, I, I want to be mindful of your time and just ask you one last question. Sure. If I could gift you a permission slip, what would you give yourself permission to do? Wow. Permission to do. That would be not working at least for a year. Like just let go of all duties let go of all responsibilities and just be like completely free to to play and do nothing and heal and meditate and float in the ocean and yeah this time i would just need a big big break wow. permission granted hopefully you, you do it <laughs> <Thank> soon you. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me where where people can learn more about your work where do you want to direct them to Wow, I have so many different channels. There is my YouTube channel, but most of the information is in Spanish or Swedish, a little bit in English. There's my Instagram account, my Patreon page, which describes a little bit more in depth what I do. I'm on social media a lot because that's how I reach my tribe. Thank you, Becca. It's been a pleasure to envision with you and listen all that you have to say. I think it's so valuable and so rich and Hopefully we can see this world soon. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Aurora, for inviting me. It's been a true pleasure for me too. I love this conversation. Ciao for now. And meanwhile, you are invited to envision and take action. What can you do today to create the world that you want to live in?